All right, this is True News 365. This is a Christian worldview commentary podcast here for the purpose of bringing clarity to the moral, political, and cultural insanity that's going on today. And I seek to be a continuous reminder to those who are born again that God is still on the throne and Christ has been given all authority and will soon return. And we encourage one another with these words. Join me, share these podcasts abroad, and let's take it all for Christ. True News 365. Thanks for joining me yet again. God bless to you all. Okay? Uh, This one is um, called The Essentials of the Christian Faith. Okay? It is extremely important because oftentimes uh, people, um, the world will criticize the Christian faith and they'll point fingers and they'll say, look at all of those denominations that Christianity has you obviously can't have the truth because you have so many variations in all these denominations well number one some of them aren't even Christian okay uh, some of them are aberrancies uh, aberrations of of Christianity some of them are cults some of them are sects how these differentiate is for another day however uh Even if there were uh, 200,000, 30,000 different denominations, not that I've actually counted, but uh, I will demonstrate here that all of these things work together for God's glory. God gets the glory regardless. Okay? Um, The essentials of the faith are the doctrines of what is taught in Scripture and what the apostles taught since the beginning of the church. While some may claim that certain church fathers have entered into church tradition, certain false doctrines, this is false. And the proof is that we can clearly learn from history and from the scriptures themselves and see if what they taught is in scripture. We can all do this by research and reading the scriptures. We also have a historical record of the defense of many of these doctrines from early on demonstrating a timeline of doctrinal teaching in accordance to what is clearly seen in scripture i'm not arguing for secondary doctrines but for the essentials of the faith secondary doctrines are more like eschatology uh should we worship on sunday or saturday um how to apply the gifts of the spirit as in speaking in tongues the healings etc these teachings and many more are important but they're not as much tied into the biblical teachings on salvation, who God is, who we are as mankind, um, etc. In Galatians uh, chapter 1, Paul asserts the importance of holding on to an original gospel and identifying true from false doctrines. The heretics of those days were literally stating that one can't be saved unless they continued in physical circumcision and the old Jewish ceremonial uh, practices of those days, in, uh, or rather of the Old Covenant. <clears throat> um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul demonstrates yet again the gospel from Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and Christ showing himself to witnesses, including Paul, afterwards. In Jude, the apostle talks about a literal message handed down once and for all to the saints. 
So there is a literal message and gospel by which we must hold as true and be uncompromised. Now, as to what the essentials are prepackaged in Scripture itself is found throughout Scripture because the essence of who God is with respect to the triune nature of God is not in refutation in the early church. With respect to who we are is also commonly known throughout Scripture. In other words, it's understood by those in the early church, so they're not being argued within their writings. The early Jews knew who God is, and they knew about the fall of man. So this is why the essentials of the faith being scattered all over scripture is for us necessary to pin down because we're talking 2,000 years later after a myriad of attacks on the faith from every single direction. Now the essentials are extremely important because they align us with the historical truth of scripture, the truth of God's true identity and the truth of our salvation in Christ. Some people see the many false teachings, cults, sects, and uh, Christian denominations as a problem that leads them to stumble in thinking that God cannot control his true church or message. <clears throat> this isn't true, because God states that nothing will overcome his true church. The gates of hell will not prevail, he said. The true church are found in those essentials of the faith, not in the aberrant teachings, false religions, or variety of denominations. Now, what's important to understand in light of the pointing fingers of the world against the churches, the, plethora, uh, the plethora of denominations are a consequence of man's fallibility, not God's inability. I'll say that again. The plethora of denominations are a consequence of man's fallibility, not God's inability. Just like earthquakes aren't a result of God's original good design for the earth, just like false teachings and false religions aren't a result of God's inability to pass down the truth. So that's why we must stick to the essentials of the faith found in Scripture and defend them and contend for them as stated in Jude. Now before I get into the actual essentials of the faith, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> let's do a little Bible reading, okay, On in, uh, starting with uh, verse 4. Okay, First uh, Corinthians chapter eight, uh, verse four. Therefore, concerning the eating of food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no god but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, from whom are all things. And we exist for him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we exist through him. However, not all people have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now eat foods, eat food as, as if it were sacrificed to an idol, <clears throat> and their conscience being weak or defiled. Now food will not bring us close to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor better if we do eat. But take the care that this freedom of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will his conscience, if he is weak, not be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For though your knowledge, the, uh, the one who is weak, is ruined, the brother or sister who, for whose sake Christ died, and so by sitting against his brothers and sisters and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, 
If food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to sin. Okay? Uh, so in other words, if you have a brother who came out of a false religion, where they let go of foods that were sacrificed to animals, and you eat some of that food in front of them, you might stumble them, confuse them, etc. The word is saying, take heed on this on behalf of your brother. Don't eat it for, the, for, the, for their sake, not so much for yours. And this can be said about anything, like a person who was once abusing alcohol. Don't drink in front of them is the advice here. There are other applications of this, but nevertheless, we can apply this to denominations that might, for whatever reason, have a secondary or non-essential doctrine and our acceptance or toleration of it for the sake of others. Now let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. <coughs> okay, let's break this one down. Number one, the disciples rebuked the dude because he wasn't part of their group. Can someone put denomination in here? Yes, no, maybe. Jesus said, don't hinder him. Why? because by that miracle they performed it demonstrated that the person was legit no one who will perform he says no one quote no one who no one who will perform a miracle in my name meaning christ's true name or true identity will be able to speak falsely about me or should we say speak false doctrine what's the opposite of false doctrine true doctrine <coughs> excuse me Okay, true identification with tr with Christ. True identification with truth. Number three, and those who give you water to drink as followers of Christ, a sign of brotherhood in the name of Christ. Also, see parallel in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, giving to the least of these my brothers. I'm so sorry. Number four, whoever isn't against us is for us. This validates that someone outside of the group can and still be part of Christ. Now, this isn't directly speaking about denominations, but I want to show how the subtle differences of separation for any reason doesn't have to mean that the person is outside of the faith, when in fact, it can be outside of the group and still hold to the essentials of the faith, which in essence, uh, solidifies them being in the fold. As we know, there can be those in many different Christian denominations that in spite of their denominations can still be truly saved by Christ and be in Christ if they hold to the essentials of the faith. Those essentials are tied in with the following. Number one, the true gospel, the message of salvation, the message of the kingdom of God, what God has done for us on the cross. Number two, the identity of who God is and his authority this encompasses his true identity and nature. Number three, and the identity of who we are, either in Christ or in Adam. The before and after. Everything in the essentials of the faith are wrapped up in the 
those things, God's identity, his work, his plan, and who we are inside and outside of Christ. The essentials of the faith are the following. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, his atoning work on the cross, who God is, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, salvation by Christ alone, by faith alone, through his grace alone, a gift and not earned, and scripture, not uh, alone, scripture alone, not tradition or any church, the inerrancy of scripture, which means it has no errors and no other authorities outside of scripture, okay? I'm going to be posting a YouTube video explaining in more detail on these essentials of the Christian faith, and I'm going to post it on my Telegram channel, and you can check that out later. Now, I've heard 1 Corinthians 1.10, 1 Corinthians 1.10 being used to refute against denominations, and it's used as a general application for what the scriptures deem as a division in the church. Okay, so I'm, we're going to read this. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers and my sisters, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each of you is saying, I am with Paul, I am with Apollos, I am with Cephas, and I am with Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, or was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I am thankful that I baptized not none of you except uh, Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. But I did baptize the household of Stephanus. Also beyond that, I do not know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with cleverness of speech, so that the cross Christ would not be made of no effect. Number one, divisions. What does he mean by divisions? Divisions can be anything. Number two, where he says, quote, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is a general statement. It just means agree among each other. But on what? It doesn't say. Number three, Paul talks about quarrels among the saints. What are they arguing about? <clears throat> Not about doctrine. They're arguing about favoritism about, among apostles. Sort of like today, someone might be impartial about certain Bible teachers and not others, and follow and almost worship a celebrity pastor. We see that today. I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter. They're not arguing about the separation or differences in doctrines and teachings. Do you think if there was an issue about various teachings in this passage that Paul would find it to be unimportant, not to mention? He would have made it clear that's why they were, they were doing what he did. Or do you think the harmony of the apostles could be sustained if they were actually arguing about various doctrines among the apostles? No, this is not talking about teachings and doctrinal differences, which is the essence of the various denomination, denominations we see today. What separates them is doctrinal teaching. And I have to say this, as I've mentioned before, I encourage you to go back to this podcast and gather and take notes on what I'm saying here. Denominational differences can lead to doctrinal differences to the extreme of false religion, sects, cults, and very, very bad things. However, I made an argument for the importance of holding on to the essentials of the faith for that very reason, in order to separate from denominationalism by being in Christ via the essentials of the faith, which we as true Christians can agree on because they're what's most important 
There are many reasons why people will divert from the purity of the truth. Because of sin, because of ignorance. If it's sin, it's because a person isn't willing to submit to what's in Scripture. If the person can be blinded to the truth as Christ blinded the eyes of some, of the, of some people in the Scriptures, if it's ignorance, it's because a person is young in the faith, unstudied, comes from different faith altogether. It can be for many reasons. But with respect to the essentials of the faith, sometimes having uh, bad doctrine, like I've said in the past, can lead to adding rocks to your road. But it doesn't have to mean the person is unsaved. This is why it's important to have the essentials of the faith down. When we do this, we'll tend to sit with people who name the name of Christ and will put upon them the expectation we should have for only those who are spirit-filled and mature in Christ. And we know the Bible says without the Spirit, they're not a child of God. <coughs> we see in 2 John 1.10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive them, him into your house, and do not give them uh, a greeting. For the one who gives them a greeting participates in his evil deeds. This was John the Apostle. This was John the Apostle of Love, so-called, talking of all people. This is not to say we can't be hospitable towards all people or not have our uh, love our neighbor, but in context, John is making a direct point as to how dangerous false religions and false doctrines are. Here, he's advising a beloved widow, uh, but the nature of the warning is the context here because John is expounding on truth and lies. The Bible goes through much length in de to delineate the power that comes from the new life by way of the Holy Spirit in the born-again and, and regenerated human being. To sit with people we know deny the deity of Christ, or who deny the Holy Spirit, or deny salvation only in Christ, or liberalize the gospel of salvation in omitting the importance of repentance of sin, and we sit there holding them to a standard which in reality, by God's perfect and pure word, they can't live up to. And how could we, how could they, when they deny the truth of God, they can't. I don't mind sitting with unbelievers, but I would expect them to fully understand. Uh, I, like, I really wouldn't fully, you know, expect to, them to understand what I'm, what, what, what is to be spiritually discerned. They're not going to fully understand what, what we're talking about. I'm going to make uh, much expectation upon a, a heretic's opinion on spiritual matters. I mean, why would we expect, you know, uh, take too much into account when a heretic gives you an opinion on spiritual things of God? God isn't neutral, so why should I be? If I'm standing on God's revealed word, so that's that, okay? Uh, no, the difference here is between those who make their election sure and those who are not, even by their own profession, and dwelt by the Spirit of God. Okay, this, so, um, yeah, this, this, uh, this is the end of my podcast, and, um, you know, thanks for listening. I just felt it was very important to expound some more, uh, and to put out there, um, uh, some information concerning the essentials of the Christian faith. Because oftentimes people, this is like one of the areas where people can be intimidated into saying, or the world is always pointing fingers and saying, well, you know, there's too many denominations. 
And people literally, you know, believers really get intimidated by these unsound arguments into thinking that, you know, we should listen to the world and be intimidated. No, the fact, you know, that we're humans and we mess up everything we touch, it doesn't mean that God can't actually have a unbreakable narrative concerning his truth in scripture. The Bible can absolutely be inerrant. The Bible can absolutely, there can actually be a, a, a true message and a people who have the true essentials of who God is, what he expects of us, and who we are <coughs> on this planet, in this earth, and our accountability towards God, our relationship. You know, all of these truths can actually be uh, known from the scripture. But the fact that we have differences only means that we're human. You know, that's all it means. You know, uh, but if we hold on to those essentials of the faith, that itself will separate us as the elect and as the, uh, what the Bible calls us, um, say that we're going to be a, a subsection of the whole. We're going to be uh, not many. Okay, as the Bible says, uh, many are called, but few are chosen, right? Those that have the truth follow Christ. Okay, so yeah, so let's not be intimidated by that. We There will be, always be a remnant, okay? And what matters is that we seek God with a true heart. And in absolute humility, we are going to find that truth. That's what it's all about, seeking that humility before God. And God will exalt us by giving us His information and His Holy Spirit to guide us through that truth. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks for joining me once again. This is True News 365. Until next time, God bless you.